0: I'm making everything new. I'm making everything new. That's the promise that Jesus gives us at the, at the end of the book of Revelation. And it's on this belief that we actually named our church. People say to us, the Renew Community, grammatically that's not even correct, right? <laughs> we look back on the ways in which God has renewed us. We believe that God is continuing to renew us right now. But we also join with God in the renewal of all things. So we simply want to be people that live up to our name because Jesus is in the renewal business. And renew, the word renew or renewal is all about hope. And the thing is, if we aren't about hope here at Renew, we should just shut our doors (laughs) because there's lots for us to celebrate. And by the way, if you're relatively new or this is your first time to renew, you've actually picked a really good time to be here because we do this every year. Some of us have heard this multiple times, but the truth is we forget, I forget uh, what we're doing, why we're doing it, who we are, who we sense God's calling us to be. Um, but if you're new with us, you picked a good day to, to hear who we are and, and what we're about and uh, to center on what we're about and to say, oh, that's right. That's what God's called us to. And uh, let me ask you this too, just a show of hands, how many of you would say that however long you've been a part of Renew, that during your time here you've grown in some way in your journey with Jesus? Just a quick show of hands, how many of you would say that? Man, that's really encouraging, that's awesome. And I hope that this coming year that all of us can also confidently raise our hands in that same way, regardless of where we're at regardless of our background or our doubts or our history, whatever it may be, that we can say, yep, 2015 was the same way as well. Because we want to see people who are growing and committing to knowing and being and doing the kinds of things and becoming the kinds of people that Jesus would want us to become and do. Well, yesterday, there were about 15 of our Renew leaders, and we spent the day down in Newark, Delaware, uh, as we joined in with the leaders of nine other churches from five different states uh, as a way of receiving training uh, with other, with other church leaders, it was not only beneficial training, um, but all of us would say it was an encouraging and deeply meaningful time and truthfully by the, by the end of the day, almost all of us had tears rolling down our cheeks because we were just amazed at what God had been doing, what He is doing. And how we're excited about what, what that looks like moving forward. It was just a time of just deep joy and gratitude for us as we ended our time of the afternoon together yesterday. So as we lean into the new year, you know, we always spend the last several months or the last several weeks of, uh, of the year prior asking God, who are we and where do we need to join you more? What do we need to let go of and where do we need to latch onto? And so we really sense there are three main things that we want this coming year to to see as a church that we lean into even further. And some of us are already doing that, but as a church, what would it look like to raise the temperature to put a blowtorch on these three particular areas? Uh, The first one is this idea of Scripture engagement. And here's what I mean by this. Uh, Every year, the American Bible Society does something called the State of the Bible, Kind of like State of the Union, but seeing how people look at or respond to or think about uh, the Bible. And it's actually in the last three years changed dramatically in the Americans' view of the Bible. Okay? Now here's some interesting things in this year's State of the Bible address. <laughs> 88% of Americans own a Bible. Which is really interesting. So way more people own a Bible than actually believe in Jesus or go to church. In fact, the average household... What would you guess the average household how many Bibles they own? Any guess? Four, six, yeah, 4.7 Bibles the average American household has. And this is like, you know, Jesus believers and everyone else. But here's the deal only 34%, sorry, only 37% of Americans actually read their Bible at least once a week. Meaning we got lots of Bibles on our shelves or under our bed, or collecting dust, but we ain't reading them, as, as, as a culture. Now, if we're really honest with ourselves, and as you know, we really are here at Renew, if we're honest with ourselves and with others, several of us in the room might feel guilty, as we think back on the past year, or that we should be reading our Bibles more, and we didn't, and we feel maybe a sense of failure, and that's certainly not what I'm trying to communicate here. But maybe we say it's because I've tried or it's too confusing or I'm too busy. I don't understand it. I have doubts about it. I don't even know if I believe this stuff. I can't find the time or the motivation. And I get it. (laughs) Because even as a pastor, I've felt it too. It can sometimes feel daunting. There are times where its I, I really love the Scriptures and other times it just feels really dry. So I get it. And even this year, I've sensed a real need in my own life, to lean in even further than I have before. And if we're even more honest, some of us might get nervous about this because maybe your exposure to people who've read the Bible a lot is that they also use their Bibles to beat other people over the head a lot. And you say, I don't want to do that. And some of us have found that some of the people who know their Bibles the best are people that love the least. And you say, I don't want to be about that. And guess what? Neither do I. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody does. Anybody here a fan of The Simpsons may know who this is, All right? Who is this? Ned yeah, Ned Flanders, right, right? So he and Maud in the show uh, are actually seen as, you know, devoutly devoutly religious Christians. And uh, the first episode of season six is titled uh, uh, Bird of Darkness. And in it, Homer asks, where has Maud been? And, and, uh. And Ned says, oh, she's been at Bible camp this weekend learning how to become more judgmental. (laughs) I mean, isn't that, unfortunately, what's the reputation about Christians? So maybe our role here at Renew is also to be people who are committed to engaging with the Scriptures, but actually renewing people's assumptions and perspectives about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This Jesus community that we're trying to respond to this God who extended outlandish love to us through His Son, and we try to live into that, so that we actually are more loving people ourselves. I was telling uh, our Sozo leaders, our our, uh, our student ministry leaders uh, earlier this week, you know, like, why do we have these gatherings? Why do we sit in a gym and do this? Why do we meet in people's homes? And we talked about it. It's three words: formation for mission. In fact, everything we do is centered around these three words. In fact, if not, we're not going to continue to do it. So, how are we being formed in order to be sent out into our week ahead? And we really believe that the scriptures form us. In fact, another significant survey was conducted a few years ago that polled thousands of churches in America of various sizes, denominations, and areas of the country. And in this survey, they wanted to know what were the healthy churches And what were the unhealthy churches and what were the factors that separated healthy from unhealthy churches? And they actually received some very significant information in this survey. The factors they found there was one fact, there were several factors, but one factor was most significant that was in every healthy church and it was a significant one by far. The number one factor in all healthy churches in this study was that there was purposeful. Evident engagement To read, study, and apply the Bible To their everyday lives That was the number one factor Of what separated healthy and unhealthy churches Now, some people have a life verse You don't have to have a life verse Some of you know this is my life verse Whoever claims to live in Him Must walk as Jesus did Now, how are we to know how to walk as Jesus did well, we study the Scriptures. It's the most evident, clear, accessible way that we can find out how can we be followers of Jesus if we don't even know who Jesus is and what He did. That's a great way to do that. Some of us are familiar, if we've grown up in church, with this passage from Second, uh, Second uh, Timothy. You can put that up on the screen here. A little hard to read, sorry. That all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true To make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and to equip His people to do every good work. That's a lot that Scripture uh, does for us if we're willing to engage with it. Now, let me pause here. I want to be really clear about something. The goal of reading our Bibles is not to become more knowledgeable so we impress other people with what we know. The goal of our Bibles is not to worship the Bible. (laughs) Unfortunately, some people know their Bible, but they worship the Bible. It's not for a legalistic reading plan to make you feel guilty if you don't keep up. That is not what we're about here. But, let me be really clear. While the goal of reading your Bible is not to know your Bible, it is to know the God of the Bible. Now, that may sound like a real small thing, but that is a hugely different approach to your Bible. The goal is not to know the Bible. It is to know the God of the Bible. I I heard someone say this, uh, a scholar say this about five years ago. It changed the way I read my Bible. Because I had been reading it more than I thought to just know what the Bible said. And it left me knowing a lot about God. But I wasn't actually having intimate encounters with the living God because of the Bible. The goal is to engage with our Bibles so that it will make us more loving, knowing God, His world, and what He's called us to, to do and to be. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, I love the way the message says this. You know my love for the message version because it's nice and fresh. Now listen to what, uh, what Jesus says at the end about all the instructions that He had just given uh, over uh, the previous two and a half chapters. He said, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. Next slide. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Specifically, one of the things we're looking forward to this coming year is that we would be a church where three things happen regarding this area. That everyone at Renew who wants to lean into this with us would know and understand and be able to compellingly articulate the story of God that's found in the Bible, to purposefully lean into God's Word with intention and regularity, and to experience God through the Scriptures in a way they have never done before. Imagine if this year you said, I've encountered God because I've leaned into the Scriptures and I'm so grateful for what how how God has revealed Himself and I've experienced Him this year. We experience the Scriptures in order to experience God. If we just read the Bible and it doesn't impact our lives, Alistair McGrath wrote, it's just like reading a book about France but never visiting, or reading a book about love but never falling in it. And regardless of your relationship to the Bible, regardless of your familiarity with it, even your trust level of it, as leaders and as a church, we want to work hard to provide you with a few different things. Some of you say, I don't even know. I need to buy a Bible. I don't even know a Bible. Like, which translation? There's like a million of them out. It's like buying a car. I mean, I don't know which, which car to buy. Maybe it's picking Bible translations or learning how do I basic, how do I read the basics of the Bible? Or maybe it's, you know, where we want to provide teaching series and learning communities, even house church emphases for our house church shepherds. Or we can focus on the Bible, not just to read it, but to engage with it. And experiences, rhythms, and practices. And then last, we want to offer you access and permission and space to be able to express those questions, to read Scripture together with others and have a discussion about it, even the hard-to-understand parts. Maybe that's the most important thing we can do as a church, is to allow space to wrestle through those really difficult sections. So that's the first thing. This is this idea of Scripture engagement. Not Scripture reading. for The sake of checking a box and I read all these things. The goal of the Bible isn't to read all the way through the Bible. It's that the Bible gets all the way through you. And that's why we want to see it as engagement. The second thing is kingdom experiments. And here's what I mean by this. I shared this with our leaders uh, yesterday. You know, Bible studies are good. Bible doings are better. And uh, just as we read in in the passage uh, uh, from Matthew chapter 7. But I shared with our leaders yesterday, I love the word experiments. You know why? Here's the deal. You do an experiment and it fails, so what? It was an experiment, right? <laughs> but you try to do, launch some huge initiative and do this and it fails? Man, oh, I'm such a failure. But here's the deal. You launch experiments and they don't work. Guess what? Not every experiment's supposed to work. That's why they're experiments. I'm thinking through, what would it look like if we as a church... We're willing to initiate kingdom experiments. I'm not talking big programs with lots of money and time. Maybe some of that. But I'm mostly talking about what does it look like about us leaning in in some ways to just say, let's try this. Let's actually try to be like Jesus. Let's, instead of just read about it, what if we actually began to step out together with a few others? And let's, let's try it. Let's try it. These are action-oriented initiatives. Big or small. Planned or spontaneous, formal or informal, it doesn't matter. But things that help us lean into living out the words of Jesus in our everyday lives. It's an action-based and practice-oriented way to think about how we can grow in our journey with Jesus. We believe that in order to experience the kingdom of God, or in other words, the rule and the reign of God in the world today, a group of people should get together and simply try to do the things that Jesus instructed us to do. And some of you are saying, wait, I thought this this morning would be a lot more complicated and sexy. And No, you know what? We really sense that 2015 is a year for us to get back to the basics as a church. This isn't mind-blowing stuff. But are saying, what if we actually didn't just talk about it, we actually began to do it? Dallas Willard said this, Imagine driving by a church with a large sign in the front that says, We teach all who seriously commit themselves to Jesus how to do everything He said to do. I want to go to a church like that. By the way, I hate church marquees. I think they're so pithy and come with the cheesiest little sayings on them. But man, I, that would appeal to me. Because that's what we want to be about here. Because we don't enter the kingdom of God simply by talking about it or by listening to someone talk about all this stuff. But we have to experiment together to integrate these into our lives. Uh, In James chapter 1, it's very clearly, I love James, it's just very straightforward. He said this, Don't just listen to God's Word. You must do it. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are fooling themselves right now. And I don't want to, and, and many of us, by the way, are leaning in and doing these things, and I want to affirm you in that. But what if we this this became something that marked us as a church. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. God makes himself powerfully known, not by lots of cool talks and, and sitting around and, and huddling and cuddling. It's actually saying, We're going to do it. We're going to do it. The way of Jesus can be verified by direct experience. And it must be practiced to be understood. If all we do is sit around and study the Bible together, and then when we leave this place or we leave our house churches and it just doesn't impact us, we don't think about it until the following week when we open our Bibles and study it again, you know what? I think we probably should just shut the doors of our church. Now, gratefully, there's no temptation to want to do that right now because we're seeing people, many of you all, we just read that in the by-faith that are actually living that out, which is great. But what if we did that through these little kingdom experiments? What if we actually saw a lot of these pop up and these kingdom experiments were actually recorded in by-faith in 2015? Let me give you just an example, or several examples actually. What if every time we got together as a, as a church, whether it's gatherings or house churches, what if we got together and said, what's the one thing, based on what we heard, that we can actually do with this before we get back together in the next seven days? It was just one small thing, but what's the one little risk of obedience that we can take all together and we just commit to doing that? Imagine if we did that. Again, they don't have to be expensive or grandiose or amazing or be published officially somewhere. We just say, hey, we just gather a few people and we did that. So let me, let me give you some of those specific examples. It might be inviting a few people together for a kingdom experiment to identify who our enemies are and to commit every day to pray for our enemies while at the same time praying that we would have an opportunity In the next four weeks, to actually bless our enemies in a very tangible way. What if you did that and then got together with a group of others and said, Here's how it worked. Here's what I'm wrestling with. Here's where I'm still so angry at them. Here's where you can pray for me as I pray for my enemies. How can I pray for you and for your enemies too? Imagine if we did that imagine if we invited those those people who are different from us into our home. Socioeconomically, racially, you know, whatever it may be. And we just said, you know what, Uh, politically, but I'm still going to just invite them into my home and just say, help me understand your story. I want to get to know you. Or maybe a group of us chose to put $10 in our pockets every day for a week and ask God, who do we give this to, God? we learn to bless others, but we'd also learn to listen to the role of the Holy Spirit. Say, God, am I supposed to bless this person today? Am I supposed to pay the toll of that person? Am I supposed to tip that waitress? Am I supposed to give that to someone who said they were really in need right now? Imagine if we did that and then came back together the next week and just told stories of what we learned, where we failed, where it worked, where we saw God show up. That's a great kingdom experiment. Or maybe in order to practice simplicity, For you to realize that God really is sufficient, that He'll take care of our needs. We could get creative and have a group of people that we just choose for the next three weeks that we're going to wear the same clothing every day for three weeks. In the midst of that, maybe we just explore our own hearts of like, why do I feel so insecure? Why am I so afraid what people think of me? Why am I insecure when that person mentioned, didn't you wear that yesterday? What if God sort of worked in and through that And what if we realized, I don't need this whole big closet full of stuff. Maybe I shouldn't be the ones, the one to own all this. Maybe others should own this instead. And we talked about that together. Imagine if we did that. Or imagine if instead of just reading Scripture about how God cares for the poor or the marginalized or the oppressed, what if we gathered the poor and the marginalized oppressed together and we invited them and asked them humbly if they could read Scripture to us? I think we'd read it a little differently. You see, the whole point of what we're trying to do is not launch one or two major programs or initiatives this year, but to say, let's create a culture where we can just initiate some of these smaller things and let them pop up and say, this is what happened. Look at what we're doing. Anybody want to join us in, in with us on that? This kingdom experiments can be all sorts of shapes and sizes and lengths of time and people, ideas. But imagine if we're new and imagine if maybe even your house church was a greenhouse for some of these kingdom experiments to happen. we just committed to taking some of these risks together. That's the second thing, kingdom experiments. And the third one, which we've talked about before, is presence and proximity. And here's what I mean by this. You ever been in a coffee shop and you need Wi-Fi and it's like super weak? You know? Or you pull up your Wi-Fi on your, on your laptop and it's just like one dot, and you're like, oh man. Or you're in a library or you're in a home and... You ever see those people where they're really desperate, right? And they take their laptops and they're like walking around like this? You know? Trying to find the signal? Come on, admit it. You've done it. You've done it. You know you have. See, when we're engaged in kingdom experiments, that Wi-Fi signal's got to be strong. What I'm not saying is that we're checking attendance and that we're going to go, hey, you haven't been here. Where have you been? You know, because you need to that's not what we're saying. What we are saying is, because we're about relationships here, not about programs, or not about just coming to an event on Sunday morning, that means that in order for us to develop relationships, we've got to be present with each other. We, we believe that church is not a building, right? Church is a group of people. So if we invite people to church, what it is, it's an invitation to a relationship, not to an event. So with that being the case, we've got to have a strong Wi-Fi connection with each other. For scripture engagement, for kingdom experiments, for some of these, we got to be willing to commit to be present with each other, not just when it's convenient, but actually saying, you know what, I'd like to be gone and do that thing this weekend, but you know what, I'm committed to a group of people. And I'm not just going to be here because i got nothing else on my calendar, but I'm going to be here because I'm committed to this group of people we can be present together in our gatherings you know, Hebrews 10 uh, let us think of ways we can motivate one another to acts of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day is drawing near imagine if one of the greatest uh, ways that you grew in scripture engagement and kingdom uh, experiments this year wasn't what you did but maybe it's what other people around you did and how it inspired you or blessed you or gave you some creative insight to how the kingdom of God works that you couldn't have done on your own. So be present in those times with gatherings and house churches or in your neighborhoods launching some of those kingdom experiments or even just as an entire church in Lansdale and the surrounding areas. How can we be more present? How can there be some proximity, right? If we're to be salt, the salt, salt of the earth, salt across the table in the, the salt shaker can't impact my dinner. <laughs> right? And it's very simple, but it's got to be close. It's got to be close. There's got to be proximity for it to make an impact. So I want to encourage you that. So, let me end with this. What's next? As you know me, i was always a big fan of like, let's not just talk about it. what are we are going to do with it? Alright? So let's be a little bit more specific on now what. On the Scripture engagement side, here's a little creative thing we're going to try this year. Okay? Normally, if you've been with Renew for a while, you know that we have a gathering, and then we write up something called the going further that we give to your house church shepherds about passages and questions and content, and we say, this would be good for you to talk about if you feel like it would be appropriate this week in your house church. Here's what we'd like to do. And this is a risk, but we're excited to try this. We're gonna flip it. So at your house church next week, I will be giving the passage of Scripture we will look at our next gathering, to your house church. So you all will actually read it, and you'll look at it first. So when we come to the gathering in two weeks in this room, you will have had some thought and some insight and some study that we'll want to hear from you all about what you're learning, what you talked about, and then how we might together, what implication that has for us as a whole church. In other words, you're going to be a part of the content of the teaching in two weeks. I'm not going to call you up front and put you on the spot, but we're going to invite us to speak into that to see can we engage with Scripture and flip it. Does that make sense? Let's try it. Let's try it as a church and see what happens. I think we're going to engage with Scripture differently because we're going to try this experiment. So we're going to do that. The other thing is the season of Lent is coming up. Now, some of you say, man, I, I, I don't even know what Lent is, or I grew up with Lent and i got bad memories. I'm starting to tweak as I think about it. Um... Lent, for those of you who don't know, is a season where traditionally people have given things up. It's 40 days before Easter, right? So the 41st day before Easter, Fat Tuesday, you're supposed to go nuts and eat all that you want because you're going to fast for 40 days before that. And it's been abused and tweaked over the years on what that actually means. But the goal is that we actually are trying to pay attention to God as we lean into this preparation to Easter. So instead of giving up chocolate or coffee or meat on Fridays or anything like that, we're actually not going to be doing that. As a church, we want to invite you in. Doug and I are going to do this experiment. We're not going to require it for all of you. If you're interested in this, I want you to come talk to Doug and I. We're pretty excited about this. And we're just going to call it 4440. And it's this, 40 days, four Gospels. We're going to read the four Gospels in 40 days. And every day that we're going to engage with reading the Gospels, we're going to ask four questions. Just four simple questions. What did Jesus say about Himself? What did Jesus teach about the nature of reality? What did Jesus tell His listeners to do? And then how did Jesus model what He taught in the way He lived? So four 440. Four Gospels. Four questions as we read them. Forty days. And if you want to do that, if we've got three or four people, great. If we've got several dozen people, great. But we want to invite you to do that with us. And then we're going to talk about it regularly. We may have times to get together say, what are you learning? What are you reading? How is this impacting you? Join Doug and I in this. We'd love to have you. Another one is learning communities, or maybe we, we should rename them, I don't know, to communities of practice. Since We don't want to just learn about it. We want to do it. But Dennis Bryce, you know, if... If any of you have been around Dennis when he's teaching the Bible, you look at the Bible in ways you hadn't before, and you go, wow, I'm asking questions in ways I haven't before. I'm doing this. I'm..." Well, Dennis is really excited about this, and Dennis wants to be leading this. So he's going to be leading the time sometime this this winter uh, or early spring. So be listening for that, because Dennis is really excited to engage, and I think he wants to engage in the book of Mark again. So regardless of where you're at, you don't know anything, you don't even know what the book of Mark is. That's okay. This is a great time to lean in. So be looking for that in the future. And kingdom experiments, you know, what could be some of those? I mentioned the idea of a community of practice approach on that. But here's one I'm really excited. I'm just going to mention one, uh, in addition to the 4440. I just want to mention one for you all to think about because maybe God stirred something in you. A few years ago, we connected with uh, the Lansdale Police Department and I asked him, I asked the police chief, which is the most difficult uh, the roughest street in the borough. Uh, where do you get the most calls? And uh, he mentioned this location. And, uh, and we had an idea a few years ago that we wonder if this year is the year that we need to launch that. We said, what if, you know, we don't have an office space. We don't have a church building. But what if instead we actually renew in our budget subsidized... Uh, some sort of rent for someone to move in to that rough part of the of the borough and just ask them to be a lighthouse, to make cookie, cookies for kids after school, to do tutoring on their kitchen table with kids, to invite single moms into their home, to invite people having a difficult time that they just need to talk to talk, and to just be a lighthouse in that neighborhood where we subsidize that as a whole church in our budget. Now, whether that's a person or a family or a couple or five or six people that choose to just inhabit and move in and live together and to be able to live that out. Now maybe there's something as you're hearing that, you're going, whoa, my heart's racing and we need to talk to Doug and Jerry about this. Come talk to us. Because who knows, that may be you. But we would love to devote our energy and our resources into something like that to try and experiment this year and see how it goes. So anyway, if that interests you, let us know. But we're just praying hard into that, that that may be a place where we can actually begin to do it. Even if some of you say, this doesn't make any sense. I can't do this, but I don't know. Maybe God wants us to take this risk of obedience. Come talk to us. Come talk to us. Or maybe it's just simply asking, who can we invite to join us in the process of these kingdom experiments of or of the life of our church? And I don't mean just those inside the church or those that already have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you say, the best kingdom experiments, I think, are done with people who are followers of Jesus and those that have no idea who Jesus is or want to learn more about Him. Who might you invite into some of these creative spaces? I want to invite you and encourage you to think through that too. So let me end with this. I'm excited about the life of our church right now. I'm excited about this year. I'm excited to see how God might surprise us. I'm excited to see what happens if we really do lean into what He wants. Excuse me. (coughs) I'm excited to see the ways that we could be a blessing to people in the name of Jesus, taking some of these creative risks. And by the way, if you try some of these and they fail, it's okay. I would much rather we be a church that experiment and fail Then worry about failure and never do it. Does that make sense? I don't want to be a church of a house of cards. (laughs) I want to say, hey, let's try it. Let's do it. And if it didn't, you know what? Awesome. What did we learn? And let's move on. And this, I, I I wrote a book and the title is called Fail. Okay. Like I, I like this idea of learning in failure. God does great stuff when we fail. If we're willing to see it as a gift, it is a gift. So let's lean in and try some of these experiments. Alright? So let me end with this. Will you join us? Will you join us in this to engage with the Scriptures together, regardless of where you're at? Will you join us in participating in some of these kingdom experiments, big or small? And will you commit to being present, not just when it's convenient in your schedule, but because it's significant. And that we make those commitments to one another and serving one another by being present. We miss out when you're not here. Don't just think, oh, I'll just I'll just catch it on the podcast. I'll just listen to it online this week. Um, it's not that big a deal. No, we miss out because we need you. I need you. All of us need each other to see more of God and His church and the world in which we live. Just as our leaders yesterday were in tears, reveling in God's goodness to us and trusting Him in the year ahead, we long for this to not just stay with our leaders. I would love for this to be a year... Where people are leaning into God's plan, even when it's uncomfortable and nervous. And I actually, I told this to Clyde Leahy yesterday. Kim and Clyde, they had been coming for just a couple of weeks to our gatherings uh, uh, a while back. And they told Doug, they said, this is the most uncomfortable a church has ever made us feel. But we like it. And we're staying. <laughs> most people, when they feel uncomfortable, they jet. <laughs> But I love that they were willing to lean into that and we're seeing fruit in Kim and and Clyde's life since they've been a part of our church. So how might you be able to lean into God's purposes, taking risks of obedience, whatever that may be, because we sense that we may be left with tears in our eyes this coming year, not just our leaders, but all of us, to say we've seen God work in a way we haven't seen Him work in our lives or in our house church or my life or in my family. So would you lean in with us? Let me pray. God, uh, thanks for this opportunity that we get to do this. In some ways, I'm uh, I'm very excited. In some ways, I'm very nervous because this is going to require um, some risks on my part, some uncertainty, uh, some vulnerability, some awkwardness in my own life. And uh, God, would you help us? Would you meet us? We know that it's only when we're vulnerable that we grow. Um, but we want to lean in. Um, it's not about us. It's not about us initiating things. It's about you, what you've done in and through us, and for us, when we didn't deserve it, and your outlandish love for us, we want to be good stewards of that. So help us to pass that on to others. God, help us to to uh, say yes when other people invite us in. Help us to um, be willing to lean in to say, I want more of God this year, and it's going to happen more than just talking about it. I want more of God in my life this year, and I want him to surprise me, but it's going to mean I have to act on it. May we do that. And God, maybe you're stirring somebody here or a group of people here or a family or a couple to say, Hey, tell me more about this uh, this housing lighthouse idea on a tough street in Lansdale. It makes us nervous, but we want to know more. And so God, if there's someone here that's really stirring um, because of that, I pray they just step out to say, tell me more. So God, we want to be a church that uh, really is obedient. I, truthfully, God, I could care less about how big we are in terms of attendance or budget or if we're in a gym for the next 20 years, I could care less. But what I do care about, and I know you care about it, it's close to your heart, is that we're a church that actually does and says everything that Jesus said to do and be. And we want to be that. So through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, through the love of the Father, And through the example and the witness of Jesus, we want to be that kind of people. In all of our warts and failures and mess-ups, we still want to do that. And so allow us to do that because you are worthy of that. Because your love renews us and because we have hope that we cannot generate on our own. We have hope that's greater because living beyond ourselves is way more meaningful than anything that we could ever drum up in our own mission statement or life plan. God, thanks for the privilege it is to be a part of the Renew community. Doug and I yesterday were just reflecting on what a privilege it is to be a part of a group of people that are willing to take risks for you. We do want to be risk takers because you made the greatest risk in the world by sending your son, Jesus, to be among us when you didn't have to. So thank you for that. It's with that that we pray. Amen.